Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And today I have yet another horror-themed podcast for your enjoyment. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak with Joseph and Vanessa Winter, the filmmaking duo behind not one, but two horror films hitting your screens this Halloween season. The first film is their featured directorial debut, Deadstream, which is a found footage film about a YouTuber slash influencer who finds himself attempting the biggest stunt of his life as he spends a night alone in a haunted house. But the premise alone doesn't do the film justice. It's really a fun horror comedy that is surprising with equal moments of hilarity and scares. If you're a fan of indie horror, this is a must-see. Their second film that was recently released is VHS 99. It's a horror anthology, which they have a segment in, called To Hell and Back. And as the title implies, the story follows a couple of guys who find themselves trapped in literal hell and have to find their way back to Earth. It's also a brilliant mix of frights and fun. In our discussion, we talk about those two projects and how they came about. We also discuss the trials and tribulations of being an indie horror filmmaker and having to cut corners and eke out every bit of production quality on a smaller budget. So if you're a fan of horror and indie filmmaking, you're really going to enjoy this chat. But before we get to the interview, I got to tell you, the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, with that all the way, here's my chat with Joseph and Vanessa Winter, the filmmaking duo behind Deadstream and VHS 99, both of which are available to stream right now on Shudder. Enjoy. But yeah, so I want to I want to dive right into Deadstream here. Uh, it's a found footage movie. And my biggest pet peeve with found footage movies is that there's really no reason for footage to exist a lot of the times for these movies. Um, why is somebody recording you know but you guys have this really clever angle where you have a haunted house but you also have a way that high quality good footage can exist so uh what was the inspiration and was it was the youtuber kind of the reverse engineering or was that always the idea as to how the footage actually exists oh good question i think uh 
I think the YouTuber is always there. Yeah. Is that I, your memory? The very first, the very first iteration of this was a live streamer um, in the haunted house. So that was always part of it, but it did evolve because the first version of it was, he wasn't necessarily famous. He was just streaming this thing and it was edited. So it was over the course of the night and things didn't go bonkers until like near morning. And um, Vanessa eventually said that was not going to work. If we're going to do a live stream, it needs to be real time. And I was really reluctant to do that because I didn't think in real time in 80 minutes that much could happen to a person, believably. And he couldn't have a character arc and there couldn't be a rich mythology. But uh, I was wrong about that because as we embraced that and just started going after it, um, there were a lot of opportunities for that stuff to kind of come through. But it was... a uh, you playing around in that space of YouTuber or influencer just made the scenario a lot more fun. Yeah, I think sometimes Joseph will pitch me a movie and then in my mind, I'll run with it in my own way, thinking that it was his movie. And so <laughs> in my mind, I always kind of started, I started imagining a character that would be setting up all of these cameras and really trying to put myself into his shoes. And so, of course, it took place in real time and kind of how it was with the movie. And then at some point, Joseph and I started talking about the movie and I realized, oh, we we're talking about two different movies. And then <laughs> we got on the same page. Was uh, was the character always going to be fairly hateable? Um, because typically in a horror movie, you know, the, the main character is kind of likable and innocent. And you root for him. But I mean, sometimes you're like, this guy deserves it. Right. So was it always the case that this guy was going to be kind of unlikable? We know the first version of it that I had thought of the guy was just a really likable everyday dude that was really easily scarable. And that was the thing that would be charming about him. There was no edge. He was um, kind of like those guys on YouTube, like YouTube that are really nice and like to shoot themselves in the nuts with paintballs or something. It was kind <laughs> but, of but like those that. Guys, those guys um, tend to have an edge, an abrasiveness that comes through that I feel like at yeah. least the one in my brain, and maybe you've never peeked at this character, <laughs> but he he wasn't, he didn't have that part of him. He was a really, really nice guy. And it wasn't, it got so much more interesting once we started, once we noticed the trend, I mean, we'd been brewing on this idea for years. And once we saw the trend of these influencers starting to get toppled with their own controversies um, and sort of how the, the non-apology videos that they would release and just that aspect, thinking about that with our character started making it feel like, well, what if that gives us license to really torture this guy to where you start thinking it's really fun to see this guy I won't I won't spoil anything but creatively get tortured by ghosts and it just felt like it worked for that tone yeah I think once I started imagining our character getting pummeled by ghosts and that being really fun to me I started to embrace somebody that um yeah maybe you're not rooting for him to get out of the house and when you started imagining a character getting pummeled were you immediately like uh Joseph you need to do this you need to be that guy yes that's yes. <laughs> your dreams come true i yeah never i never want to make another anybody besides joseph sit in a bathtub for 12 hours that was always baked into the idea was that this was something originally it was something we were supposed to have made ourselves it became something we couldn't have made ourselves but as part of this was we weren't going to pay their certain um, positions on the film that we couldn't pay, one of them being the lead actor. We knew that we would be kind of doing infinite 
ADR to fix the story and pickups and things that we couldn't actually pay for. So it was always going to be me. Yeah, I think there was like one meeting where we sat down with a potential investor and he started talking about casting somebody else. And in my mind, I was thinking, I don't know how to make a movie with somebody else with what I'm planning. Yeah, I also I also thought it was really clever. I don't know if maybe this went into the thinking, but having the director actually be the guy shooting the found footage, I thought was like pretty, pretty obvious. Why hasn't anybody done that before, you know? <laughs> yeah um maybe one of the reasons why is because it's really hard <laughs> it was like it was so much harder doing that than we had uh, initially thought like during the movie during the first after the first day I really wanted out I mean I wasn't actually thinking about quitting because there was no other version of it but it was like one of those things where I realized I'd bit off more than I could chew and that the way of having to be in it and operate the camera and participating as a director was just incredibly difficult yeah it's a lot did, of stuff to juggle did you also uh once you realized that you were going to be the character were there any hesitancy about you know like we were joking putting yourself in a tub for 12 hours or whatever were, were you like do we really need this or can we do this another way where he's dry and totally fine the thing is we both of us are so passionate about the shot like whatever the idea is that we get carried away with we sometimes like to ignore the reality of what it would take to pull something like that off and I was ignoring the reality all the way up to the moment that I had to do something just because I knew it was a good idea and so that I, I just forced myself to get it out of my my brain and not get psyched out before I actually had to step in a cold water bathtub and you know watch my skin shrivel up over the course of 12 or 14 hours or however long it was <laughs> Yeah, I also tell me if you feel this way, but I feel like we get so excited about creatures that if there's a creature on set, we get super energy. Oh, yeah, the super energy that comes from that for sure. And then also that ability of like once they once I have makeup on my face too, when uh, Michaela would apply a prosthetic, I felt like I could do anything there. (laughs) There's some really dangerous debris in the house inside and out that I had to crawl across even though we tried to clean it it was so clearly unsafe but I had this awesome gnarly eye makeup Mm -hmm. and dust on me and it felt so awesome that I didn't really care and I got I got cut a little bit it wasn't like it wasn't severe but it it really like brought this new energy through me and Vanessa I think with your confidence and taking on this ambitious of a thing Yeah, I think there's like a nice energy once um, if there's a lot of makeup effects and stunt people on set and things like that, everybody's coming together. I think probably the unappreciated grueling moments for Joseph were just wearing that really heavy headset that's pretty like migraine inducing and doing a lot of the drama, like acting drama moments in a closet that was like really hot and claustrophobic. I would say those are probably the biggest maybe underappreciated physically challenging well by their nature they're not the parts people love you know because they're the parts (laughs) of nothingness but those were actually the most grueling of having to carry something where nothing's happening and you're just talking right so you mentioned the creatures and I want to mention that as well because 
the, when I'm watching this, you watch a lot of found footage movies like Paranormal Activity and things like that, and they don't really give you a creature or they, they give you a brief creature, if that. You guys went full tilt creatures all over the place. Uh, without giving spoilers, there are creatures in this. And you guys do full practical makeup. So was there, did you guys ever think like, you were talking about how you didn't have money for a lead actor. Were you ever thinking like, oh God, how are we going to make this come to life? Um, We started paying the creature designer before we even had enough budget for the whole film. (laughs) We were just like, get started. So I think that kind of shows where our priorities were. Um, I think that's one thing that got us really excited about the concept was just could we do found footage where it starts out more grounded and then goes into kind of an 80s creature feature um, over the top horror comedy? And so I think that was always where our money was going to go and what we were going to try and do. I will say, though, that at some point we realized with our script, this is not low, low budget. We came to the creature guy and his name's Troy Larson. And we said, please tell us what of these gags we need to cut so that we can hurry up and make a story adjusted for that. And he took the script and came back to us with, I want to do all of them. I will find a way to do it all. If I have to spread myself too thin, where some of them don't hold up quite as much as the others, I think this tone will give us license to have that. And so I would like to approach all of it. And that was really shocking to us, but it was also amazing. And yeah, it really, it really was a team effort. I think Troy Larson and Michaela Kester, the makeup effects artist, um, their passion for horror uh, was so thick. And I think there was a kind of a mind meld that happened with the personality of the film where Troy's creature designs, they bring such a specific personality, which is exactly what we want we're looking for, um, that melded with the tone of Deadstream. So yeah, I, I don't think Deadstream would exist without Troy and the creatures. The creature and, and yeah, and one of the things that was uh immediately apparent to me is is I think when people watch this is they're gonna think of like old Sam Raimi movies. Uh I was thinking more Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two, just because that is you guys straddle this line between uh typical horror and comedy like you said but uh one of the things that's interesting is you guys are able to do it and make it funny and still have the scares were you ever concerned that if you lean too much in the comedy you'll dilute the scares uh, i was terrified i lost lots of sleep over that i felt that <clears throat> it just at some point wanted to be a comedy more than scary initially we set out to make one that was both funny and scary and then I thought you know this is so jokey and the gags are so humorous and silly in their nature that I don't think we can scare people I think we can just give a spooky experience but Vanessa really fought against that and wanted to make certain moments actually terrifying and and um and I really appreciate that because now there are a lot of people that are saying that it's genuinely scary at times. And I credit that to Vanessa being committed to doing that. Yeah. But you committed also, you committed with the performance and just going all in. Um, But I do think one thing we came to realize, I think the comedy weight was resting more on Joseph's shoulders because of the performance aspect. So I think it makes a lot of sense that that's the thing that he was most worried about. Yeah. Yeah. On, on set for sure. Sean needed to be funny first and foremost, and the scary could be done in, you know, all the other non-actor ways like crafted in the edit also with the atmosphere of how things looked and how things were timed. But I had to be 
cognizant of is Sean being funny, even when it was a scary moment. And Vanessa needed to say, all right, let's kill this joke because it's getting in the way of the scary. Then that was her job on set because it was so important that I was thinking about the delivery of the lines. So I want to uh, switch gears a little bit because this isn't the only movie you guys have coming out or out right now. Uh, you also uh, took part in VHS 99. And uh, you guys did what I think is probably the most ambitious segment of that anthology. Um, if I won't spoil anything, but basic, the basic premise is some guys wanted to record an exorcism. Somehow they get sent to hell and you guys fully recreate hell in a small span. And I have to assume a pretty low budget. Were you guys ever concerned? Did anybody from VHS, the production companies or anything tell you like, hey, whoa, this is way too much? Um, yeah, I was also terrified and not sleeping for two months <laughs> over those exact concerns. Uh, it's very interesting. We were kind of off on our own during this production when we got the call to be a part of the movie, which we we're so happy about. Um, they were almost done with principal with for most of the segments in L.A. Um, so they kind of just sent us the money and trusted that we would deliver. And so there was multiple times where I'm like, what have we got ourselves into? And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that it's working for you. We, when we finally submitted a full draft of the script, we were shocked that there was, there was a, a notes meeting from all the producers involved. And we were expecting really severe pushback on some of the gags and some skepticism on the amount of money, how far we could take the money, whether or not we could pull off the gags. It didn't come up. It was all just encouragement about what we could do to make the story the most effective version according to our vision, which was so strange to us. And so we just had this encouragement and this trust to just go out and make it. Was that idea born out of like, well, we have this anthology that we can do. Let's come up with an idea. Or is that something that was brewing in the background that you're like, oh, this would work? Uh, we came up with it for the movie. Really, there was no, I was watching it and I, I swore, I was like, this is definitely a big idea that you guys condensed into almost like a, a little anthology. But you're saying that that was always the beginning, middle and end, huh? Um, we, the thing about <laughs> it is that we we wanted to tell a full story in a segment and in, in like a, a 15 to 20 minute amount of time that has the same kind of um, some character arc and some of those things that you would get um, that would make it a more satisfying experience. But the truth of it is we had our eyes set on being part of the VHS franchise long before we were invited, or I should say invited ourselves. <laughs> but we started like uh, with Deadstream, we started wondering like, could we do a VHS segment? And if we did, what could we do? And before we actually had the official call, we started batting around some ideas and the idea of hell had come out but it really didn't take off until it was a reality that we were oh, doing. yeah that did come out that did come out before the call yeah yeah I think Joseph like mentioned it and one one reason that we ended up going with it is because we are in Utah we have access to some landscapes that are unusual and so we wanted to bring some some value about shooting in Utah and so we went to landscapes and there's some very hellish landscapes in Utah um yeah I wish we would have had more time to sit on the idea it really was we sent a treatment and then went into pre-production before we had a finished script so it was pretty fast but yeah wow. that's amazing so I have to assume Melanie Stone's in both these movies 
uh, I have to assume that going forward, you guys are just going to hire her for everything. Oh, Melanie forever, man. Well, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine a scenario where she's not in the movie in some part. She's great. She's great to work with. She's a really close friend of ours. And uh, she's, she's also just a, such a smart storyteller. She's a producer and a writer also, but I feel like she always brings so much to the roles that she takes on. She's very, very thoughtful in the role that she has in To Hell and Back. Um, she sent us voice memos about different options of her accent and the raspiness <laughs> of her voice. And it really, that was really great because we were able to find something that wasn't cheesy because our, our segment had the potential of just being cheesy fantasy in a way that is not horror at all. And she mm -hmm. was able to bring something that felt grounded and helped the universe feel more real while also being super entertaining to watch her character. So you guys have kind of now, you've done VHS, you've done Deadstream, you kind of cemented yourself as horror genre filmmakers. Uh, do you guys see yourself sticking with horror or is, uh, are your, your sights set a bit more broad in the future? We would be very happy if we only ever made horror movies in our lives. Having said that, there are adjacent genres that we're also excited about um particularly i love horror sci-fi that's yeah. the that's mm. the adjacent genre that we would go into i don't yeah. know maybe western well western is like <laughs> I mean, I just, i'm not convinced anybody wants a western but like we love westerns um but yeah horror sci-fi is probably the natural course that we would take but most of our ideas are horror we just love horror so yeah. that's most likely where we'll go next yeah. So uh, one of the reasons I love indie horror is I think the term indie kind of has lost its its meaning in modern days. Like now films that are like five to ten million dollars are called indie movies. And mm -hmm. I feel like horror still has that indie edge and still independent. So I, I want to ask you guys, what are some indie horror movies that you guys have seen maybe in the last couple of years that you want to shout out as as, you know, just as important as some other movies? Oh, man. Oh, shoot. I wish I I've got like a list. List um there's a movie that also premiered at south by with us called hypochondriac mm -hmm. um and it's it's its own thing it's pretty gutsy and just it feel it's super personal um and i just really love it it's very unexpected and so i put a plug in for that i will also put all my weight behind that movie hypochondriac um Gosh, I now think, that I'm being put on the spot. I think um, there's a movie that also came out at South by called Slashback. And it it's so charming. You should look it up. It's got so much heart in the film. It I believe it cast non-actors. And they it's just these ingredients came together in a really fun way. And I, I'm not sure that. Yeah, it's, uh, I think what makes what puts it in the definition of real indie horror is that it's shot in a super remote location i think it's just like you have to take planes and boats out there <laughs> so you're getting to see a slice of life that you wouldn't see uh, or otherwise see in other cinema do you guys um, ever see yourself leaving indie horror yeah i mean you guys i i watch these movies and i think you guys can do so much with such a small budget would you guys be excited or intimidated by 10 million dollars thrown your way i think there's an aspect of me that's intimidated I think there's there's a part of me that only wants to take as much resources it like are as needed. Um, but I think I think we have some ideas that could easily 
easily, I don't know, spend the mills. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel like there's an intimidation, but also a, a curiosity to try it. Yeah. So sign up for a Marvel movie. Let's give you $200 million and see what you guys can do. <laughs> yeah, well, so, okay, we'll do the Marvel movie so that we can self-finance our little indie horror movies for the rest of our lives. Oh, yeah, that's all you'll need to do. There you go. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you so much for talking about this movie. It's it's a lot of fun. It definitely took me by surprise. I, I was not, I didn't even see a trailer before I saw this movie. So uh, it, was, it was great. So thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was really nice. Thanks for having us. Thank you.